1: Plan savings with three lines of T Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook.
2: Welcome back inside the clubhouse here at Chicago Sports Radio 670. The Score, I'm David Hall with Bruce Levine here until 11 o'clock talking baseball. And it is our pleasure right now to go to our guest hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And that is where we find the one-time former commissioner of Major League Baseball from 1989 to 1992. That was the job for Faye Vincent. Good morning, Mr. Vincent. Thank you for joining us this morning.
3: Oh, good morning to you. Mr. Benson was my father, so Faye is fine.
2: (laughs) Well, Faye, it's a pleasure to talk to you and a privilege as well, especially in light of what baseball is enduring and going through this week. So let's just begin with your perspective, given your experience. How difficult is it for the commissioner of baseball to balance making decisions based on what's for the, quote, good of the game with what's best for the owners?
3: Well, it's impossible, and the reason is uh, structural. That is, the commissioner is seen by many people, including people in the media and certainly the public, as uh, having a responsibility for the whole game. The the problem is the union uh, sees the world in a sort of bicameral way, where they're on one side and the commissioner and the owners are on the other. So. Any sort of moral suasion by the commissioner is very, very difficult. Um, the union views the commissioner as a as a servant of the owners, and there's some basis for that, obviously, because the owners hire the commissioner. It's a very difficult position.
4: Faye, hey, uh, appreciate you coming on uh, so much with what's going on in the world everywhere. Uh, you know, baseball is big to us and the fans, but we know there's... There's large issues out there in the world, and it's disconcerting to say the least that baseball isn't being played. As as a fan of the game, um, what what is your perspective? I mean, how should how should a fan, how should a uh, commentator, how should uh, somebody looking at both sides, you know, trying to decide to divide up 10 million, 11 11 billion dollars a year. How, how should we how should we focus on it? How how would you suggest?
3: Well, I think the beginning of wisdom, and I submit it to you and to everybody who's listening, you have to separate the game from the business. The business of baseball is an ugly, greedy, money grubbing uh, business. It's it's like all businesses. It has they, there's very little sympathy for. Uh, The noble romantic is what Bart Giamatti always used to uh, comment on. He said he was a romantic and he was pleased to be so. Somebody once wrote, I think it was a professor at Cornell, wrote that the business of baseball is like looking at the sun without any sort of um, visor. You cannot look at the sun for more than a few seconds and then you have to turn away. The game of baseball is better than that. The business of baseball is awful. So when you're forced to look at the business, and we are today because of the lockout or strike, the fact is nobody wants to do that, and I don't want to do it, and neither should you. It's ugly stuff. The part that's wonderful is the game of baseball. So I love talking about the game, but unfortunately the business takes precedent about every. Five or ten years now, this time it's been thirty years because they had a last fight in really in ninety four ninety five which was awful. I thought it was the I thought it was the last fight, and i I think I should have been correct but the the two sides won't agree on even that. There should never have been that cataclysm in ninety four which was when the owners decided to see if they could break the union Bud seely was that and I understood why he did it. He wanted to see if the union would crack. Well, it didn't. And it's not going to break or crack now. And so the business of baseball is about greed. It's about both sides wanting to come out with the most money, the most power, uh, the most... uh, And and a moral victory, because each one of them thinks that his side is uh, morally superior. The union is saying we're the downtrodden guys that were squeezed by these moguls. The moguls are saying, we put money up, we bought the business, we should be entitled to run it. And the union has been taking away much more than their fair share. Fair being an awful word. And uh, we don't like it. So my point is stick with the game, all of us who love it, and forget about their business. Greed will take care of the business.
2: We're joined by former Baseball Commissioner Faye Vincent here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, David Hall, Bruce Levine. Faye, I, I don't know whose counsel Rob Manfred may seek or if he does, but if he were to call you today, given your experience, what kind of advice would you offer if he were asking for direction?
3: He has to find somebody like Steve Greenberg, who was uh, who is the son of Hank Greenberg, was my deputy. Steve Greenberg was very well respected by Don Fear, the head of the union. When we had a big lockout and a fight, Steve Greenberg and Steve, uh, I mean, Don Fear and Steve Greenberg went off quietly uh, at two in the morning. Uh, there were three or four issues that were not used, but they were difficult. And the two of them went in a private room because Steve Greenberg. Was the only person in the meeting that Don Fear would trust. He didn't trust me or anybody in the ownership because the owners had stolen $280 million from the players. And the owners, some of them, were still there who were very involved in uh, doing that theft. So Steve Greenberg and Donald Fear worked out a deal, came back into the room, and said, We've handed. We shook hands, the two of us. We think this is a workable solution. It's obviously a compromise. They got it done. There has to be somebody in the room, maybe two of them, maybe four of them. They have to really want to get it done, and they have to say enough's enough, and this is only about money, and we're going to get it done. And I don't know how you arrange that. Steve Greenberg had enormous. He's, by the way, the leading sports investment banker in the country. He should be the commissioner. I think the owners really tried to persuade him to be the commissioner instead of Manfred. Steve didn't want to do it. Steve Greenberg was the solution in my day. I was very fortunate to have him. Manfred doesn't have a Steve Greenberg. I would try to find Steve Greenberg or anybody who's close to him in terms of the reason that Steve Greenberg was so essential is that people trusted him. He is an honest, noble, really superb citizen, and the union people, including Donald Feer, knew that. I don't think in the room that they have today there's somebody with Steve Greenberg's credibility.
4: Say, uh when you uh, when you look at your your time as commissioner, I I look back and I see a lot of good that was done in particular, uh, the rule, the rule about Roger Maris, uh, you know, with the asterisk that, uh, Ford Frick had put on his record, uh, when he was approaching it and, and you, uh, you t- change, changing changing it around to, uh, it being the record with no asterisk. What are some of the things, uh, that you prided yourself on during, during your run? And, uh, and some of the things that, uh, baseball has been able to do that, you know maybe we're started uh, during the time when when Bart took over, and then when you took over for Bart
3: uh, well, I think there are three things. one, I think bringing Steve Greenberg sent a message to the union that if Steve and I were running things, the attitude toward the union and the ability to work with the owners would have been increased. Secondly, I made a big big effort to try to redress the screwing that the black ball players the old Negro League ballplayers had gotten. I got the Negro League alumni a pension plan and into a health plan. And it took some doing, um, but it was a very good thing to do. And I brought Len Coleman, who was a, a wonderful fellow who happens to be black, into baseball, and he had a lot to do with my being able to get all that done. And thirdly, I think I tried to persuade the union and the owners that after collusion, when the owners stole all that money from the players, it was going to take a long time to fix that up. But we had to do it because, in, and and they haven't done it. And the fight between the union and the owners is a stupid fight. If they don't come together and agree on a common mission, baseball is going to go through these things every five years. And sure enough, it's 30-some years since 1990, 32 to be precise, when mm-hmm. We solved the problem, and Greenberg and Don Feer did it. And they haven't been able to come together like that ever since. Part of it is that I left the stupid owners, then pushed Steve Greenberg out, which was a huge mistake. And I think, that, you know, recently, uh, Steve Greenberg has proven that he probably was the answer. I don't think Rob Manfred, bless his heart, and is in a position to do it because the union recognizes that Manfred was a labor negotiator for baseball. And the credibility, the stature that Steve Greenberg had, unfortunately, is not available to baseball. So I'm proud of a lot of what I did. I'm not very proud that I never could persuade the owners that What Steve and I was doing made sense. We took the long view, and the owners said, we don't have time to wait. Our business is going down the tubes. And some of the owners, one of them right in Chicago, Mm -hmm. felt very strongly that uh, I was the wrong guy and that they had to move to get Selig in there. And in a way, they were right. Selig got them 30 years of peace. But now we have the fact that no progress was made in building a real relationship and partnership. So we're paying the price for those thirty years of very good, peaceful activity.
2: Along those lines, and a final thought, we really appreciate your time. If you're Rob Manfred, and in your case, what is the bigger challenge for a commissioner? Is it MLB versus the, the, the players' union in negotiations like this? Or is it the the big market owners versus the small market owners in those caucuses in that trying to build a consensus, if you will, that you need to get a deal done?
3: You know, the biggest problem is that the union structure was a defensive structure that came along in the 40s with the Taft-Hartley Act. It was designed to protect employees by being, from being screwed by owners and And employers, big companies, and the union structure is—it was work—was very important to the history of this country, but it's out of date. And now, in order, look, the only business, private business in this country that is heavily unionized, is the entertainment business. Now, in Hollywood, where I came from, the unions are all in a very sort of limited role, and the and the entertainer the Actors and actresses own a piece of everything that's produced. So if in my day, Columbia had a movie called Tootsie. Well, Dustin Hoffman made the movie, and he owns a piece of it. When you have Derek Jeter, who contributed enormously to the success of the Yankees, retired, he ended up owning nothing of the Yankees. That's because the union structure got Derek Jeter a very good salary, but no ownership. And the fact is, in order to build wealth in this country, you have to own something. Working for a living without owning a piece of the equity is a limited uh, situation. So the baseball players make 30, 40 million, but they don't own anything. LeBron James doesn't own any part of the Lakers. And what does LeBron James do? He buys a piece of the Red Sox on the open market because he wants to own a piece of the equity in the sports business. Very smart. The quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs owns a piece of the Kansas City Chiefs. That's very smart. He's the only major sports figure I know who has a piece of the equity of the team he plays for. That is the way of the future. But the union structure is totally out of date. Now, I'm about 30 years ahead of myself, but in long after I'm dead, the owners and the players are going to have to structure an arrangement where they own the game together, and they run it together. And the commissioner works for both the owners and the players. And the union goes by the boards, but there's an ownership structure that protects the players from anything that the uh, owners might do, they have the same economic interests.
4: Uh, w- David and I appreciate this so much. In closing with you, I'm going to ask you why you think Florida in particular and in general expansion in baseball in Florida has not worked, and will expansion work again once they go to 32 because it looks like they're hell-bent on and getting two more clubs uh, in, in Major League Baseball?
3: You know, I don't think expansion makes sense. I mean, you're diluting the equity of what you've got. I think um, that electronic uh, sports is a better business long-term than people coming out to the ballpark. Uh, that's where the money is going to be. And I think that the reason sports expansion hasn't worked is that it was never really done uh, terribly well it worked look the dodgers and the giants uh, california has worked better than florida why is that well better owners better environments better um, chavez ravine is a better ballpark than tampa bay that's not as bart Giamatti would say i could use a higher standard the worst ballpark professional ballpark in the country is tampa bay and until they fix that that poor franchise is dead well you know it's been there for 30 years it's a tragedy and again to blame florida for baseball going into tampa bay makes no sense tampa bay it's a very nice community and i used to spend time there but The ballpark is in a terrible location. It's impossible to get to. You have to cross to a barrier island over a little bridge. makes no sense. So I think you can't blame expansion is a bad idea because you're diluting the value of the franchises that presently exist. And there are very few uh, communities big enough to support Uh, baseball not because they're not big enough but because they're not a big enough television market and sports is to this day all about television Faye,
4: we can't tell you how much we appreciate it be well be happy and thank you so much for your time today
3: at all
2: thank Thank you you for
3: calling thank you
2: thank you Faye Vincent the former Commissioner of Major League Baseball terrific insight a uh, very important perspective, Bruce. There's a lot to go over when we come back because I, just everything that he spoke of just based on his own experience, just based on his own perspective, there's a lot to take away from what we just heard. We will discuss that when we come back. Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
5: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
2: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game.
3: it's impossible and the reason is uh, structural that is the commissioner is seen by many people including people in the media and certainly the public as uh, having a responsibility for the whole game the the problem is the union uh, sees the world in a sort of bicameral way where they're on one side and the commissioner and the owners are on the other so any sort of moral suasion by the commissioner is very, very difficult. Um, the union views the commissioner as a, as a servant of the owners, and there's some basis for that, obviously, because the owners hire the commissioner. It's a very difficult position.
2: Welcome back inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. David Hall, Bruce Levine here until 11 o'clock that was the voice of faye vincent we just spoke to him great interview a lot of fun great information and insight still very sharp at 83 years old bruce he had a lot to say he loves steve greenberg he said that basically made that clear his uh lieutenant was the guy he trusted immensely when he was commissioner between 1989 and 1992. bruce well generally speaking there's a lot to react to but specifically i i just can't we're here in chicago so local things resonate and we are provincial he and Jerry Reinsdorf obviously were adversaries and he still holds Jerry Reinsdorf responsible in part for him being uh, a commissioner for only three years and that seems very clear that when he was talking about one of the owners in Chicago that's exactly who he was blaming as he has said in the past Jerry Reinsdorf Bud Selig in Faye Vincent's mind conspired to vote him out when he was voted out in 1992.
4: David, uh, and and he said, eventually he said maybe rightfully so because there was 30 years of labor peace after he left. And uh, and Fay himself had a deal with the 1990 lockout uh, that uh, took away uh, the beginning of the season for one game and that delayed the beginning of the year. But in reality, let's take a step backwards and then forward from what Fay said. He basically said the job of commissioner is untenable. And that it's and it's really not a situation where he can be the person for both the owners and the players. Is it time for for sports and maybe baseball in particular to have a commission that runs the game? Should there be a higher level above the owners and above the players that helps mediate things on a regular basis to run the game?
2: Okay, that's a great question, Bruce. It's a great question, but I think it's like a broad question. It's a bigger picture question, and I compare it to like, all right, if we're taking a short flight, and we're saying, let's say we're going from Chicago to O'Hare, in a, in a, or I'm sorry, from O'Hare to South Bend in a puddle jumper, which I've done many times, and you're getting over Lake Michigan, and you're like, there's turbulence, and it's it's rocky, and it's a terrible flight, and you're just like, God, next time I'm going to drive. But you know what? All I care about in the midst of the turbulence Is landing the plane and I think right now Major League Baseball's got to worry about landing the plane if you're Rob Manfred and you're the structure and yeah moving forward the commissioner role doesn't make any sense because of the way things are structured but right now how do they land the plane who is who is who is Manfred Steve Greenberg how do we get fresh eyes a new voice to figure this out so we don't have labor impasse any longer
4: so Manfred's, uh, to, to answer you directly, David, Manfred's guy is Dan Hallam. He's the guy that has to sit down this weekend. And, and from, from what I'm hoping and hearing, that there will be there will be conversations that we do, uh, do not hear about, that reporters are not privy to, that uh, there is a road to a deal. Look, Vincent said it himself. A deal is going to get done. If it's it's March 6th, great. If it's April 1st, not so great, okay? Baseball fans and fans in general of sports do not deserve to be dragged through labor negotiations during our times right now. Life is too difficult. We need that release of baseball. And both sides are ignoring that, David. That's the thing that's the most galling, is that people and the world need baseball. A quick example... During World War II, when it when it broke out, baseball uh, owners uh, went to the uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt and said, "We're willing to stop baseball now if you think uh, you know it's important." He said, "No, the people need this release. They need to have something to turn their attention to when they're not working hard in the war effort. We need to keep baseball, and that is very similar in one sense to what." we're going through in life right now, and how people need their sports, and they need that release. They need the, to be able to step away from all the frustrations. I don't think I'm overstating it, David, when I, I say that both sides are ignoring that issue, and it's a very important issue. I don't
2: think you're overstating it at all. I, I don't think that that's... it's. Uh, it's exaggerating to say that you know american society probably needs baseball as much as it ever has as much as we ever have and when you look around the you know sports as a, as an escape is as necessary as it's ever been and yet that's why this lockout that's why this continued work stoppage is as frustrating as it is is because you know we don't want to turn away to our escape and walk into that room mentally to, to get away from things that stress us out and find more anxiety and, and tension and conflict. That's not what we want when we go to the ballpark or we turn on sports radio or we go to uh, the marquee Sports Network or whatever. We don't want to hear about conflict between, uh, and, and it's trite to say millionaires and billionaires. It's beyond that now but we don't want to hear about what's not going to happen. We don't want to hear about a month of games being canceled. I don't want the season to start May 1st. I want my hope now. I want my you know, optimism when, when, when I'm used to getting it in March, when I'm looking at baseball, Bruce. So I, I don't know, there are no easy answers, but I think the structure of baseball, having a commissioner that is the arbiter of the sport, a neutral decision-maker,
4: is desired, is ideal, but I don't think it's realistic. Well, then we're going to always continue to have some of these things. Uh, let's hear what other people have to say about what Mr. Vincent said and uh, the lockout in three one two six four four six seven six seven.
2: The score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. And now we find Jim is in Aurora. Jim, welcome inside the clubhouse. Yes, guys. Uh, Faye, Vincent touched on it here, and it's not 30 years from now that it's going to happen. It's going to happen now that they form a partnership with the players. They are not even discussing this. The future of baseball uh, is at stake here. It's clearly the number three sport, no longer number one. When we grew up, uh, Bruce, I'm 60 years old. I work with a lot of 20- and 30-year-olds. They don't even – want to talk about baseball. They don't watch it. It's all football, all uh, basketball. It's clearly the number three sport. They have got to get baseball back in the spotlight and the number one sport again by being a partnership with the uh, players like the other two sports are doing.
4: Thanks, Jim. Uh, I Appreciate the phone call. That's a good call. Uh, And, again, it's – it's something that we talk about on a regular basis, David, you and I love baseball. Uh, I've been in love with the game since I was a little kid. Uh, my goal, uh, when I was, uh, in grammar school, high school and college was to eventually be a part of baseball, be a reporter, be a broadcaster. I was lucky enough to eventually, uh, realize that dream. And sometimes now, uh, when I look back and I see where the, where the game's at and the, uh, detachment from fans, it's really troubling. Heck, Bruce, you were going to broadcast and cover the sport. I was going to play shortstop for the Cubs.
2: I was going to bat third and hit three fifty. That's what I was going to do when I was 12 years old. Didn't work out <laughs> so well. And I, but I think the baseball romantic in all of us is being offended right now, and that's why you know I said this earlier in the week. You know, we, we want to look at baseball and be inspired by literature, and they're giving us math. Nobody likes math. Nobody wants math. Let's go back to the phone lines. Don is in Ridge. Good morning, Don. Welcome to the score.
5: Good morning, guys. Um, I always look forward to the Saturday morning uh, uh, conversations. I love it. I, one of the best things I, I wait for for the entire week. Hey, I got a couple of things. Number one is Major League Baseball is putting gambling into every one of the uh, ballparks. How come that's not uh, involved with any of the negotiations? Uh, owners are going to make X amount more money that should actually help out with the negotiations to get the players what they want. Number two is I have some thoughts on on some trades for the Cubs. And one being with the White Sox, I'll go to the White Sox one last, but the first one is I would trade Contreras to Toronto for young pitcher Pearson and the catcher Jansen. I'd even ask for Marino, the the young catcher. Um, Number two is I would trade Hendricks to Tampa Bay for Patino and Kiermeyer and number three is I would trade um, Madrigal to the White Sox for Kimbrough, Lopez, in a 10th to, to 20th uh, um, uh, prospect. Uh, basically, what you're looking at is three pitchers that were ranked high that are not doing well, but they all have upside. You help out all three teams, and you go from there.
4: Yeah. Thanks, Don. Football. Call down. Appreciate uh, David, the I'll call, Don. David, ga- I'll, I'll, I'll address the gambling. Uh, the okay. gambling has been a part of the negotiations. Uh, the uh, the union and the, p- and the players and their representatives are not ignorant to the fact that Major League Baseball will do very well with gambling and their own gambling houses uh, uh, around the ballparks or in the ballparks. The problem is... It hasn't been done yet, and to to uh, quantify it is very difficult at this point as far as this negotiation goes. I I assume five years from now right. that the gambling aspect will be an even bigger issue and maybe the issue when they're talking about splitting up money uh, five years from now when uh, hopefully I'm still alive and still covering baseball.
2: Well, Bruce, a couple of thoughts there. Number one, I, I think when you talk about – the work stoppage, yeah, that's happening, but they're not stopping the construction going on from building or, or planning these sports books that are going to be on site at these major league ballparks. So that's interesting because that will be part of the increased revenue, and that is something impossible to ignore. But to quantify it is difficult, and to look at it conceptually requires the good faith that is lacking from these negotiations because you're not going to be able to put a number on it and you can't just say, well, trust us here because there will be revenue produced or there's just not that give and take that is healthy because there is no trust
4: uh, from either side and that's a big problem here. You know, it's, it's really interesting, David, and I expect a flurry of conversations about gambling from the owners talking about, what their perspective is in 2022 and 23 after this deal is done. We, they have been very, very, very silent about their deals and what they're going to be getting from all of these sponsorships from these uh, draft companies. Uh, it, it's going to be significant. The, the problem is uh, nobody knows what those numbers are right now.
2: And, Don, thank you for listening every Saturday morning, but the Cubs aren't trading Kyle Hendricks and Nick Madrigal's. not going back to the south side. That would be the boomerang trade, trade, and that's not going to happen, even though I'd give you an A for creativity. Let's go to Chip in Villa Park. Good morning, Chip. Welcome inside the clubhouse.
5: Good morning, guys. Hey, uh, just a quick question regarding, you know, a lot of talk about baseball being a dying sport. And I guess the question I have is if that's the case, then why is the money growing at such a, a regular rate? And if it's due to the broadcast uh, mm-hmm. and the network's looking for programming itself, then what's the impetus for the owners to make any change or really make any concessions worthy of making this game progress or grow the game? If the money is so big and the owners are looking at it saying, we don't have to do much to, to you know, watch these profits go up each year, then really what's the motivation on anybody's part as far as ownership to get a deal done as it exists right now?
4: Great question. I'll let you go first, Bruce. Well, streaming is the is the big thing everywhere. Okay, and, and streaming is going to be what produces revenues even greater, maybe, uh, than what uh, cable has done. And cable was the uh, the thing of uh, for so many years, and now uh, cable companies and in uh, and dealing with the uh, with the RSNs, you know that that's uh, that's quickly becoming uh, a a thing of the past. Uh, you 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 heard about the uh, Stories about uh, the Marquee Network, and, and they're not going to be doing anything with streaming this year. But uh, down the road here, all the teams want to stream. They're all trying to barter with uh, Major League Baseball as to how to divvy up those revenues properly. And uh, we, we will see some type of conclusion to that. But uh, it, it's no mistake that the White Sox are worth $1.7 now. It's no mistake that the Cubs are worth $3.5 billion now. The, the sport continues to grow its revenues uh it's a healthy sport it's maybe behind the nba and the nfl i david i think it could i can i think with proper marketing of players and uh doing what they do in the nfl and nba by celebrating their players on a daily basis and promoting them i think baseball could turn it around i really do but you talk about you know kids not playing baseball as much anymore and inner city kids not playing baseball and and turning the basketball and football. A lot of it might have to be might have to do with the fact that they don't promote the sport properly. It's a great question.
2: Don't want to be contradictory here because the business of baseball is booming. It's an 11 billion dollar industry. But when you're good, you still want to be great. And when you have production, you still want to reach your potential. Baseball is not maximizing its potential. And it is uh, in terms of appeal. It's withering. It's falling behind other sports. And this work stoppage won't do anything to increase its appeal. We're talking about pace of play. We're talking about things that will improve the game to make it more watchable. And that's the challenge in front of everybody. So there's some greed involved, but you don't want to have the the, the haves and the have-nots. You don't want to have the gap widened between the big market and small market teams, just like you don't want to have the the disappearance of baseball's middle class and have the Mike Trouts of the world and the Patrick Wisdoms of the world. You know, there's there's guys making the minimum, and there's guys in, in Mike Trout's category. And there's the disappearance of the middle class, which I think merits all the discussion. And the same is true for teams that have high revenues, record revenues, and are keeping the sport healthy, and the teams that are underperforming and need that – you want to have the salary floor so they avoid tanking, which is a big part of these negotiations as well. There's a lot there, Bruce, but we'll continue to talk about that. We'll continue to take everyone's calls, 312-644-6767, for our final segment here inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to the score.
5: So I would say there's no opening day because the league – has not like negotiated in good faith. And then I would say we're fighting to make it fair on both sides. We like, we understand it's a bit, I understand it's a business and I understand that like both sides need to come together and communicate and negotiate to get something done. Like we can't just keep having days where there's nothing going on and we can't have the 43 days before anybody
3: talks. And you know, like that's, I think that's another reason why we're at where we're at right now. If, like, if we would have had this week of negotiating, negotiating, you know, 40, 40 days ago, we'd be in a much better spot. But, you know,
5: it is what it is now.
2: Welcome back inside the clubhouse here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score brought to you by Aloha Restoration. Call Aloha for all your water, fire, and mold needs. That was the voice coming in from Patrick Wisdom, the Cubs' third baseman. Makes the major league minimum. He is... He is solid and unified in in uh, the way many players are this week, Bruce. very impressive uh, commentary and comments from Patrick Wisdom earlier this week uh, with uh, on the on the Parkinson Spiegel show.
4: You know what uh, David, uh, respectfully, I will say, I've never heard a negotiation where we haven't heard that both sides were solidified in their opinions and in the history of all these labor negotiations uh, and, and I, I I don't think that it's that it's untrue I, I think I think you're right uh, that they are solidified but to me solidified always means when I hear that that means that there's not a deal close when we're hearing rhetoric like that okay right, right. after it it's going to be lovey-dovey after uh, they get this deal done David it always is you know uh, you won't hear one bad thing about them believe me Maybe some of maybe some people out there that have strong opinions, like uh, Marcus Stroman. You know, maybe you know maybe he's going to continue on in that vein. But well, uh, once everybody gets paid, that conversation usually goes away. Let me counter that for a second,
2: Bruce. That's interesting. I think the players are going to be solidified and, and unified, regardless. I don't know about the owners. I don't know if 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 there are. I think there are more competing interests on the owner side between the two, the, the big market, small market uh, owners, than there are on the player side between those the haves and the have-nots. I think Patrick mm-hmm. Wisdom sounds more like Max Scherzer than maybe the Reds sound like the the Red Sox, and and, and I, do, right. I think those those uh we see that a little bit this week. The four owners that you know voted against that the final competitive balance tax offer was too generous. The fact that that information got out
4: tells me there's a, there's a crack in the foundation, maybe with this ownership group. That's a great point. Uh, uh, Bud Sealer gets panned an awful lot for his commissionership, but uh, one of the great things that he created was revenue sharing and revenue sharing has helped maintain the small market teams and keep them viable now. Have they all used the money the way you and I want them to, to spend them on players all the time? No, but it has kept someone in Kansas City where the Yankees would travel and not have a team to play if they weren't getting the proper revenue. So revenue distribution for revenue-sharing teams, that's another issue. Uh, Greater minds than mine. Uh, Maybe yours and somebody else will be able to figure out What is the proper distribution once you get revenue sharing from uh, Major League Baseball?
2: All right, Bruce, we only have a moment left, but let's look ahead. What do you expect to
4: happen this week, and, and how do you think the tone will or won't change? Again, no news is going to be good news. And I think that over the weekend here, here's the date now. Here's the new date. It's April 15th. What is April 15th? April 15th is Good Friday. It also is the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson's debut in baseball. It's a day that baseball wanted to celebrate it, not only the owners, but the players and everybody to, uh, to memorialize and to uh, show appreciation for uh, Jackie Robinson and what he did for baseball. I think that's the next big date. Getting people into camp by March 15th would mean getting a deal done this week. giving them four or five days to get in, and giving them a month to get ready for the season. So that is the date I'm looking at. Hopefully early this week we have a conclusion to this. My prediction is the Cubs and White Sox both play are scheduled to
2: play 27 games before May 1st, and I think they all get wiped out. I think that's when the Major League Baseball season will begin, and both sides are dug in now, and they figure opening day is canceled when the owners don't want to play in April anyway, we're looking at May 1st as an opening day, but we shall see. And this will continue, Bruce. Thanks for, this was a a really entertaining,
4: enlightening, informative show. David, a great job. Uh, People can follow me on Twitter at MLB, Bruce Levine, also on our website, writing Cubs, Cubs and White Sox every day at 670 to the score.com. Thank you to Adam Stadzinski, And we have other people to thank, don't we, David? We
2: do. Maddie Lee from the Sun-Times joined us from Arizona, Faye Vincent, the former baseball commissioner, joined us, and boy, was he very good. And next is Steve Rosenblum, Mike Esposito, Saturday. Suck it, and stay tuned right here on The Score later today. DePaul Hoops, 345. Zach Saban brings you that with a big matchup against UConn. For Bruce Levine, I'm David Hawth. Thank you so much for listening And Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.